We're getting fast and furious with some musker hounds and sweaty with a supernova. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Vex Perfect. And this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Offscreen. Yes, the sun has been shining and I'm feeling, well, hopefully not as sweaty as I was last week, but <laughs> we are leading in. There is a reason why I've told you that. Um, it's because our first movie on the show is it's sweat. Power the only fa- it's the Power the Only Fans site. That's why you've told us. That's what it is. <laughs> but yes, <yeah>, sweat. <laughs> our, new, our, new, our new side venture, Only Vans. But, <laughs> uh, no, sweat. <laughs> Funnily enough, Sweat is actually written and directed by a man with the brilliant name, the writer-director with the greatest name I've ever heard, Magnus von Horn. Who wow. also directed Yeah, I know. He's a Swedish director. Villain. I know, like, how? How is how are you not, like, you know, evil villain Dr. Von Horn? But, yeah, he directed The Hereafter a few years ago, and right. he's back with this. This is what I would describe as Polish-language film, right? Yeah. And I, I would describe this. Do you remember the girlfriend experience? The, the movie, yes. not the series? Oh, no, I, I remember the series. Right, well, the, obviously the, the movie and the series are kind of the same thing, but the movie was like Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. And I think it was Sasha Gray when they were they made, trying to make her a sort of crossover star. She went from sort of porn to, to you know, narrative cinema with that film and then wound up an entourage and things. This is kind of like that, but instead of sex workers, it's Instagram influencers is the best way to describe this. So it's kind of like the girlfriend experience with a fitness instructor slash social media influencer. So you've got this character whose name is uh, Sylvia. Uh, she's played by uh, Magdalena Kalesnik, I think her name is. She's absolutely brilliant. She's, when she starts off, she's got this sort of wide-eyed, Nomi Malone, Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirls kind of manic energy. You know, the kind that you, you only see with influencers. Yeah, and that's a bit dangerous, like, linking that to Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirl. <laughs> I can see where this is going. <laughs> right, but that's the thing, because there were times in this where I'm sort of thinking, is this going to go full Showgirls on me? Is it? I can't. And then it kind of just goes the girlfriend experience, which I'm equally cool with. Um, she has, uh, she has, she, she posts an Insta story in which she makes a sort of frank confession. She's been moved by having met one of her fans at the very beginning of the film, doing a, a public appearance at the beginning of the film. She d- does this sort of online confession that gets taken the wrong way. She she loses potential ad spots and clients and it starts her on this sort of this this tumultuous point of mental health at the same time she's dealing with uh, the way that she's viewed by her family and friends she gets a stalker who starts periodically appearing outside of her building she starts to feel that her life isn't so much her own anymore that she isn't allowed to feel what she wants to feel because of this this position that she occupies to you know this imagined fan base as we show and it's really good i mean this supposed to be a bit all over the place. Like at times, it doesn't quite seem to know what it wants its drama to particularly focus on. But Magnus von Horn, which is a name I'm going to say out loud forever, he directs the hell out of this. It looks gorgeous. It's got mm. such a wonderful sense of scene. It's got a, it's a wonderful sense of place. Every time you're in her apartment, it feels like a different world to, you know, her mother's apartment, for instance. There is a, a, a wonderful frank starkness to the way that they, they stage these sort of behind-the-scenes green rooms and things like that. Um, and her performance is absolutely tremendous. Like, her performance on its own, worth this movie. She's genuinely brilliant in this. So do you think there's been a bit of a marketing fail with this? Because I've not heard a peep about this and obviously there are films post pandemic and stuff that we're kind of playing catch up on and Mm. we've had you know we've got big movies out this week like Fast 9 and stuff so 
uh, is this something that's hopefully will kind of build a bit of a cult following? Well, this is uh, this is a Curzon release, so right. this is actually going to be available to watch like on demand. You can watch this at home on Friday as well today, okay. as, as well as you know, seeing it in cinemas. I think it's Curzon at home is their streaming like video on demand premium VOD service. Yeah. I think if this had been, to be honest with you, if this had been in English and on Netflix, it probably would have been the biggest thing on the planet right. for five minutes. Like you feel like if this had starred, I don't know, pick whichever ex Disney Channel, you know, actress Pandaya. is Say popular. If this. Pandaya, like yeah, yeah, you, you, you stick a Debbie Ryan on this, you know, yeah. and it, it, you know, probably the big and, and it's on Netflix and it'd be the biggest thing in the world for five minutes. I think the fact that it's, it's got that language barrier. I think that is, is relatively easy to overcome in this because I think the film is, is good enough that you can overcome it quite easily, but it's a really good movie. I can't recommend it highly enough. Right. But I know which one you want to talk about because you've got a personal connection to our next, uh, our I, next bridge. Why don't you tell yeah. us about the Supernova Bax? So Supernova is coming out, well, it's out today, actually, and it's um, starring Colin Firth and Stan, Stanley Tucci. Um, it's about uh, they play a, a gay couple who are a musician and a novelist and they embark on a, a journey around the English countryside um, and enjoying their relationship and coming to terms with the, it, I suppose, impending doom that is dementia, which is taking over one of them. Can I ask you, did you want one? An autograph from him? Because I saw you looking at it, I wasn't sure if you wanted one. Tuscan. No, it's all right. He's very sharp. You normally, do you have a pen on you? But if you want one, he'll sign one for you. He's shy, but he will. On either on a napkin or if you have one of his piano albums, he'll. Thanks. Okay. All right. Thank you. It's very nice of you. Thank you. How did you come to be this person? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know why I do it because it really isn't even satisfying anymore half the time. Anyway. I said, why do you do it? Because of the other half. <laughs> love, I love Tucci in this movie. That's, that's Stanley Tucci kind of uh, having fun at the sort of at his partner's expense with the waitress of the roadside uh, diner that uh, that they're in. But uh, I, I love, and this is the thing, isn't it? Because the the performances, you know, you're in for, for great performances with these two, yeah. and they don't they don't disappoint. No, they don't. Absolutely not. And um, this is all about the performances. Like it is a beautiful movie to look at, and it's beautifully written. It's actually very predictable in a way like you know what's going to happen at the end of this there's no sort of totally yeah it's not that kind of film is it though no it's not something that's got this big climax at the end of it or anything like that it just goes along nicely and sort of tells this story although having said that though it does have one or two narrative in in context narrative surprises up its sleeve along the way there's a i think there's a sort of late second act emotional wallop that really killed me and just shows you how you you literally just need colin firth and stanley tucci alone in a room to just spin you gold you don't need anything i mean is it harry mcqueen this is your connection you you know yeah my mate is harry mcqueen i went to university with him studied um the same course as him and and, you know, he's been grafting for a long time in the industry. He started off as an actor, did, did a few bits and bobs, then wrote his first movie, Hinterland, which was well-received. Kind that of was the one, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, he's made this massive leap to doing Supernova and, like, all plaudits to him. He's done a fantastic job. I think it was filmed in quite a short space of time. I bumped into him, you know, a, a, sort of midway through the pandemic coincidentally and he was just about to kind of take this to some of the festivals around Europe and obviously I think you know the thing that really gets it for me is like 
this is probably his moment as a director to really make an impact. And Corona has kind of it takes the glamour out of what could be quite big opportunities. And and you know, this has BAFTA written all over it, doesn't it? 100%. It really does. Hundred percent. And you know, there's the, the, I'm a bit worried about the timing in which this has come mm. out because um, I think it will be there's a long way to go before we go to the next BAFTAs and yeah. I think people have to re-remember this to, to get it come out but it's been delayed and delayed and delayed unfortunately but well, when, did, when did we see this? You and I saw this we for the first time if I remember so that was at LFF back in November? October, October, October. time last year right. so then it had an initial release date and then mm. it's like you know it's been held off but uh, I think it's a really accomplished piece of work for a young, exciting director in her. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's really accomplished. He's passionate about his writing. I know that for sure. And I think, I don't know how he got Stanley Tucci and, and Colin Firth. <laughs> God knows how he did it, but he's done it. Um, you know, and also it's produced by um, the, the, oh, is it the, is it 42 years? So whoever, the, the film, there was a film, it, you know, that, that, Basically, what I'm trying to say is it's great British stock behind this, mm. okay? And you know that that is kind of the BAFTA direction that it's going in. It's the, the, it is going to, if it's going to pick up anything, it may pick up something for Harry for, for best script, but Possibly. I, I actually think it's going to be, it's going to be Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth that's going to lead the charge on this. I think so. And incidentally, you, you said like you have no idea how he got Stanley Tucci. I'm just envisioning, you know that scene from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? When they, <laughs> how they get Genghis Khan into the phone booth. You just see that the arm outstretched, like holding a Twinkie out to it. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Genghis. They did that with a Negroni. That's what yeah. it was. Just an arm outstretched with a, with a freshly poured Negroni. Come on, Stan. Come well, on. I, this way. <laughs> when I did just review this on uh, on talk radio this uh, yesterday morning, I did say yeah. you know, one of the big things is how Stanley Tucci has now become such a big sex symbol due, due to his amazing Instagramming about like making a cocktail and an agronium. Yeah. Like the, the, the Tooch is a sexual god. Just for his cardigan and his cardigan and crisp white wine combos are mwah, chef's kiss out this world. Yeah, and you know what? So is his performance in this. I'm a very big fan of Super. Yeah, me too. Me too. But listen, it's not all weepies and sweaty messes. When we come back, we've got something very fast and very furious for you. With a lot more, with a, with a lot, a lot more in the way of sweaty messes as well. <laughs> Welcome back to Off Screen. So we're keeping you in the cinema because we've got more fantastic offerings. It's so refreshing to be able to tell you that we're able to go into the cinemas again. It feels like it's been an age, doesn't it? Well, you and I actually got to see one another in a cinema <laughs> this week for the first time in like a year and a half. Yeah. I think, was that, I'm trying to remember what, the last time you and I were in a screening room together was at Soho House. Yeah. It was, I think it was like the day before they, the day before they announced the lockdown when you specifically said to me, I'm getting a bit worried about the sound of this COVID thing. And I said, oh, it'll, it'll blow over. Don't we? It's just a nothing. This happens. Do you know you what? Know, it'll just be like SARS again. Yeah, I remember. I don't think a I year and a half ago. Yeah, I don't think I told you this, but like, so we're very lucky that when we go to somewhere like Soho House, we get given like nice cups of tea and things like mm. that. I wouldn't touch a thing. So as you were telling me, you were having a sip out of your cup of tea and I was like, I ain't touching anything. You were you looking at me, looking at me with those those pinhole, pinhole eyes. Yeah, yeah. And like having, we've, we have previously had this conversation, I think at, at Talk Radio or somewhere, where I'd basically said to you, I'd start, they'd start putting hand sanitizers around and you went each scenario. Yes, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep oh. it. Like, what we what didn't know was coming. 
I know. Uh, who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Speaking of things that speaking of things that I just couldn't have seen coming, right? This this kind of dropped very quietly a few months ago. The announcement of our next film, and uh, it, it, like back in 2016, I think it was. There was a rumor that uh, BRB International, who are this Spanish animation label, who gave us such seminal classics as uh, Around the World with Willy Fog. Remember well, that from the 80s? Yes. And and the similarly pitched Dog Tanyon and the Three Musker Hounds were going to try and spin their pro- their their, uh, their brands into films. Right. And they were going to start this with Dog Tanyon. It's now five years later, and that film is finally here. Now, Dog Tanyon and the Three Muscans, you remember this from when you were a kid? Uh, I, I do, and I was uh, I loved it. And I can't remember if it was on the BBC or CITV or where it was. I think, if memory says, I think it might have been on IT... Oh, no, I think it might have been Channel 4, actually... The weird thing about it is, I remember thinking it was an American-made animated series. It wasn't. It was a... Obviously, BRB Internacional is uh, Spanish, mm. and the animators on this are all Japanese. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is a Spanish-produced, Japanese-animated adaptation of Alexandra Dumas' The Three Musketeers with anthropomorphic dogs. Here, <laughs> rebooted and rebranded for the 21st century with this sort of CBB level animation oh so actually so i was thinking to myself is this something that anyone needs probably not but nostalgia wise it's quite exciting that's what kills it actually the nostalgia kills this dead because i i revisited the the original uh series i watched a couple episodes this last week just to see because i had to know does it hold up am i rose tinting this is this the ewok movies again you know because you can go on Disney Plus and see those for yourself, but they're a train wreck and they have not aged well. <laughs> yes, there are two Ewok. If you didn't know there are two Ewok movies, there are two Ewok movies, okay? <laughs> From the mid-80s, they want to be Willow, they are not. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> it's bizarre. I, actually, I remember loving them as a kid. I know you're going to say, I know you're saying they're a train wreck, but I remember loving the Ewok movies as a kid, so. Well, Dog Tanyan has held up surprisingly well. Good. Like it's it's a quite a sharp. It doesn't pander, and it is a reminder that the mid eighties, the early to mid eighties, did see a genuine golden era of children's animation, and this would carry on all the way through to like the X Men animated series in the early nineties, the formation of the Bruce Tim era, Batman the animated series, Superman Justice League, the DC AU as it's as it's now called. This is skewing a lot younger. And when I said that about the CBB's level animation, this is CBB's level storytelling as well. Oh, We're talking about it's also got a really weird continuity error carried over continuity error carried over from the original uh 80s series as well, where for some reason Porthos and Athos are named the other way around. Can't figure that one out. No, how weird. No, they're the same characters, but they just have the wrong names. It's strange. What well, when you say like CB so a big thing that I find with kids TV now, and obviously I'm not the target demographic as much as I am a child, <laughs> but I I found in the 80s and 90s, kids TV shows were smart, they were sassy, and mm. you could enjoy them as an adult. And I feel like this whole cotton wool culture has really dumbed stuff down for kids now. It does feel like that. It feels right. like, on the one hand, it is a lot of very dumbed down dialogue, as, as you put. It's all like, on guard, smelly. You know, it's that kind of, you know. But at the same time, it's 
too overloaded with the actual plot of the Three Musketeers yeah. to sufficiently entertain someone of the age that you would need to be to enjoy this, which is effectively my nephew Henry's age. He's pushing three. Right. He would be about the right age to enjoy the animation, but he'd be bored to tears. And to be honest with you, I was as well. I thought this was a significant waste of time. The animation was janky and rotten and just looked rubbish and the, the, the movement doesn't work and the characters are kind of daft and it's, it, it's, it's like watching a CBeebies thing for about an hour and 25 minutes and about Just, as fun I would dig up the old the old series then instead dude they are they did remaster them for DVD about 10 years ago so yeah. do check out Dogtanya and the Muscats and they are adapting Willie Fogg next so Around the World in 80 Days is getting this treatment in a couple of years I hope they do it more justice than they did this Fair enough. Okay, well, let's talk about the big release of the week. Um, let's talk about justice one... for Han. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a ni- the ninth movie of a 20-year-old <sighs> franchise, um, which has not aged, I don't know, but it's got definitely got more bonkers, right? You, you say it hasn't aged. You know, every time they do one of these prequely flashback things and show you how Vin Diesel looked in the first movie, you now think, yeah, he aged... Yeah, 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 obviously. But I, I just think the the concept doesn't change. And uh, look, it's so funny. I, I, look, let, let, let me tell you the synopsis of this. So Vin Diesel or Dom, um, what's his surname? Dom... Dominic Toretto. Toretto. Dominic, the, the lead of the Fast and Furious series is Dominic Toretto. Yeah. Dominic Toretto, right? You can tell I'm, I'm not an avid fan of Fast and Furious. I'm an <laughs> obsessive. Basically- He's basically living the quiet life now off the grid. But then this huge threat, which basically drags up all the issues from his past, brings itself to the forefront. And him and his crew basically get confronted by this hugely skilled assassin and and driver as well. And that, of course, is someone who is as close as family. So we're up against a master thief. Assassin. High-performance driver. Who is he? Jacob is Dom's brother. Your whole life, you pushed yourself to be faster than Dom. Smarter than Dom. Stronger than Dom. But could you kill him? Because I'm ready if you are. It's uh, it's not their best movie. I mean, I can say I'm I'm a fanatic of this series. I would say if you're going to be really objective about this, it is Furious Six with the scale of the fate of the Furious. There are two things that I I, I needed from this movie mm. uh, beyond the obvious. Just give me some dumb explosions and, and car movies. And I want to hear Vin Diesel <laughs> talk about family. in abundance. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The, the, the action sequences now have gone deranged. Oh, three things to like. Okay. First of all, I love that this series is whipping out after, and I'm going to correct you and say 10 movies and nine chapters. Because, you know, we have we have Hobbs and Shaw. Don't, oh, okay, don't, don't okay, disconnect okay. Hobbs and Shaw. From, I know Vin Diesel would like that to not exist, but it exists. It's better than any of the movies in this, franch- in this franchise otherwise. And I can't wait for a sequel, which will hopefully have Keanu as the villain. But... Ooh. Can you imagine? He's Could got to imagine? be. He's got to be the head of Etion, right? Like it's got to be Keanu, surely. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, going back to this. So I love that they have waited, uh, you know, for the 20th anniversary to then whip out, by the way, I've got a brother. By the way, he's also a wrestler. By the way, he's the wrestler who's the logical successor to Dwayne Johnson, who, by the way, happens to be my arch nemesis now. By the way, he's playing my little brother, and I'm never going to stop bringing that up. By the way, I'm smarter than him, I'm stronger than him, I'm faster than him. And by the way, this somehow never came up for 20 years. You've then got a sequence in which they bring back Han from the dead. All of these characters, the crew, or the family, as we're now calling them, um, literally stood around saying, I'm sorry, how are you alive? And I'm sat there thinking, he's not even the only guy in this room to have done this in the last decade. Like, one of the people asking this question has literally just mentioned having recently had her memory back from the time she was dead. But okay, let's 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 not split hairs. And thirdly, what were they smoking on that one morning in Universal's corporate office block when they had the pitch meeting in which Chris Morgan came into the room, got asked the question, right, fast nine, Chris, what you got? And he went, magnets, <laughs> magnets. I've got magnets. <laughs> oh, you're so right. Um, Look, yeah, I know. Look, I okay. So this is what's really interesting. You're a massive fan of the Fast and Furious mm. franchise. I have probably dipped in and out of this over the last twenty years, and I could not tell you what what the last movie was like. I cannot tell you know. So I am coming into this thinking, as our lovely punters would, maybe going, mm. oh, my friend's seen all of them, but I haven't. I'll go along anyway, just to go and enjoy it. Mm. I had no idea the relationship. I had no idea about Han. I had no idea about. Um, the the writers had no idea about Han, evidently. Yeah, no, but like Helen Mirren, Mr. Nobody, like all these stuff that the, there's a lot of cameos that just pop up in here with no context unless you are a massive fan. And I think that's a bit of a shame, to be honest. I think I, I think you're absolutely right. I do think, especially at this particular stage, the Fast and Furious franchise has become the franchise that everyone accuses the Marvel movies of being. Mm. Yeah. Like people seem to have this weird perception of the Marvel movies as being this impenetrable fan thing with, you know, 4,000 characters who all show up and, and you have to be really deeply rooted in the continuity. And yet they don't. The actual, that's Marvel's clever trick is making you think, making it seem like that's the case. In actuality, it's not the case at all. Fast and Furious, however, is that. This is yeah. now at the stage where if you don't know that Helen Mirren is, you know, Luke Evans and, Luke Evans and, and Vanessa Kirby and Jason Statham's mum good luck because they're not going to explain that to you and they yeah. don't here incidentally um there is a there is a mid-credit scene and i had money on them setting up a piece of casting there was a there's a rumor floating around and helen mirren has perpetuated this that they want uh, michael kane to be big daddy shaw right. and i i was told there's a mid-credit sequence and there is gonna be so there's gonna be a cameo i'm like oh my god it's gonna be michael kane it's gonna be michael kane as like granddad shaw isn't it you know helen mirren's husband like this is this is where this is gonna end up because he's the kind of the last driving icon left to yeah, get in this, yeah, this yeah, franchise yeah. and it's it's not but I, i'm just saying i would have been there for it i would have whooped and cheered if it had i think the films as a fan I, you know i had a good time it's it's another fast and furious movie but it is it's furious six it's exactly that caliber as a non-fan it's two and a half hours that will keep you entertained. Um, it's literally goes out of this world, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. And is it more ridiculous than chasing a submarine and flinging torpedoes with your arms, yeah, though? Look, there's a lot of ridiculous stuff that happens in it, but you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. It is very enjoyable. It, uh. I looked around in that screening. 
multiple times just to see everyone's reactions because I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. We had a walkout. We Did actually we? had someone, we actually had someone give up and be like, out and walk out. And you have just mentioned the exact point of the film in which they did it as well, which we can't go into for spoiler reasons. But yeah, someone genuinely threw it, sat on the row in front of me, threw in the towel, went, I'm out, I'm just, I'm done. And just left. Well, which, on that note, on that note, yeah. go me, glued, glued to my seat, waiting, waiting for more from the family. But uh, put it this way, it is a film, genuinely, if, if you're not in it, if you're not in this for the ride, then you'll walk out. Welcome back to Off Screen, and we're taking you on to telly for the next segment. So let's talk about movies on Freeview for the next seven days, Miss Perfect. Saturday, so tomorrow, Saturday the 26th of June, on uh, Film 4. I've zoomed out all the way. You can tell my eyesight's getting worse here. Uh, film 4 at 10 past 11 in the evening. A movie that I adore. I'm not sure where you, where you sit on this one offhand. Upgrade. Do you remember I'm, Upgrade? No, do you know what, Van? I'm going to say, I'm going to say this week it's very much led by you for that Freeview. Yeah, I only swapped out two as well. <laughs> well, I think I, I I may have picked stuff with you in mind because <laughs> this week was a little, not saying it's slim pickings this week, but there's been a lot of stuff out that we've already covered recently. Mm. So yeah, yeah, well, it's not like that. There's only so many movies in the free view rotation, aren't there? So it's very nice exactly. when they get uh, some new additions. But upgrade is definitely not upgrade. one of the new additions. Upgrade we've caught about a couple of times. Um, so this is uh, Lee One L's effectively Lee One L's Nano Robocop. If you can imagine such a thing. Stars Logan Marshall Green as the future man who sets out to uh, find his wife's killer when he is paralysed in the car accident, which is actually a mass assassination attempt on her. And uh, he is given an experimental nanotechnology uh, treatment, which implants a sort of AI in his head called STEM. So STEM, on the one hand, is allowing him to walk and move again. But yeah. if he allows STEM, STEM will take over his bodily functions entirely and do the things that he can't, namely beating the ever-loving crap out of a room full of, you know, heavily armed guys to get the information he needs to find his wife's killer. It's very slick. It's very cool. It is what you would imagine if the Saw guys did Robocop with nanotechnology. Yeah, I think I've seen the trailer for this. I don't think I've seen the actual film, but, you know, Logan Marshall Green, who plays Grey Trace. Is that Grey Trace in this? Yeah. Grey Trace. Yeah, the brilliantly named... Grey Trace. It's that yeah. kind of movie, Bex, where you have yeah. characters named... It's like John Matrix. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is John Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> I think this looks... Yeah, this does look slick. It does look like, you know, if you're into your sci-fi and stuff, I think this mm. is a good one. Especially for a Saturday night as well. It actually, not even not even particularly sci-fi because the the way... It, it's very clever in the way that it does the sort of sci-fi angle. It's sci-fi in the way that face-off is sci-fi. Right. Gotcha. You know what I mean? You, you look at Face Off more as a sort of action revenge movie. Yeah. This is very much the same thing, an action revenge thriller. Like yeah. you feel like, because STEM could be anything. You know, yeah. you could, there's a version of this where STEM is a magical curse. Or, you know, there's a version of this where he literally is Robocop. You know, the, well, that movie is actually called Robocop, never think about it. But anyway, Upgrade is very good and it's on film four on Saturday night at 10 past 11. Let's go to Sunday then and talk about Disobedience. Did you get to see Disobedience? Back no, I didn't. So this is on film four at 11.15pm, another late one for you. Disobedience. Now, I am I'm frantically like looking this stuff up just to see <laughs> if, it is, if it does trigger that I have watched it. But, but from the title, I'm not so sure. 
We, I'm not sure what we were talking about, and this came up in relation to. I think there was a movie with a similar oh, plot. Did we talk about this and saying uh, we talked about this in relation to Am- um, Ammonite? And said, yes, know, we talked yeah. about this in relation to Ammonite. Thank <laughs> you. That was it. And then the, the week later, it turns up on the freebies because I'm talking about disobedience. So disobedience is the forbidden love story drama uh, set within the, the North London Hasidic Jewish community and starring Rachel Weiss and Rachel McAdams, who it turns out can actually pull off a British accent, would you believe? Ooh. And uh, just just makes me love her more good old Rachel McCann. So it is um, the romance between the Rachels, as it were. And uh, uh, you've got Rachel Weiss's character who has left the, uh, the the community, you know, like a decade or so earlier, has gone to America and become a photographer in New York. And uh, she's you know, achieved some sort of mid-level acclaim. She returns home following, I think it's the death of her father, who's a very, very traditional man, obviously, and is brought face to face with, it turns out, the love of her life, uh, Rachel McAdams, who, you know, their forbidden romance, it, uh, it transpires, is of course the reason for her departure several years earlier. But McAdams has now married, I think it's Rachel, uh, Rachel Vice's cousin. So they are now literally family, making the situation even worse. We saw your photos in a magazine. Mm. Yeah, it was the, the pictures of the twins that you showed us. But they, they called you Ronnie Curtis. That's my professional name. What was wrong with your real name? Krushka, you should be proud of it. Artists change their names sometimes, don't they, Moisha? That's right, Fru. Yeah. Well. Women, women change their names every day. They take their husband's names and their own history is gone. Don't they? What are you talking about, gone? Not gone? Yes, <laughs> they do. Mm. I thought this was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite intrigued to see this. I think if you're going to do a lesbian drama, don't do it like Ammonite. Do it like this. <laughs> is probably the way to look at well, it. No, no, no difference between this and Ammonite. This has dialogue in it. This yeah. is not just staring. And this is not just staring as we dust pebbles. Yeah, I've got you. I've got you with that. So that's disobedience. That's on film for 11:15 p.m. on Sunday. Oh, moving on to Monday, Pacific Heights is on the Horror Channel at 10.45 p.m. Now, I didn't think I'd seen this, but I have, and I watched this years ago. So this is about a couple who basically move in to a, and renovate a house, and they've got uh-huh. a weird neighbour. Is Michael Keaton the weird neighbour? I can't remember. Yeah, he, yeah, he's Michael Keaton, and he, he's like their tenant, isn't he? Because the okay. house that yeah. they've got here, they're turning into flats, and I think he's the tenant who moves in on... He's moving on the ground floor, I think, because it has... For plot reasons, it has to be, I think, the ground floor. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do you know what? This has brought back flashback memories of me. <laughs> I know exactly what TV I watched this on. I, I think I, I think it happened to be on something like BBC Two or something, like when I was a kid, and I just stumbled across it. And then this is legitimately. It. This is so 1990. Yeah. That it's lead that its leads are played by Matthew Modine and Melanie Griffith. That's yeah. how 1990 this was. Yeah. And do you know what's just as I looked it up, what has just sparked my sort of remembrance of it is that the shot of the house. I yes. totally remember that house. Because the house that they're doing out, and it's kind of like a hand that rocks the cradle in this way. Ooh. One of those gorgeous, uh, you know, Town 19th house. century San Francisco three-story homes with the towers and everything that you never see anywhere else in the world. But in a but movie. that seem to exist within the realms of San Francisco in movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like this is Doubtfire and stuff as well. It's all yeah, 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 like the house from Charmed yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, those things that obviously they can all afford to live in, and when in reality they cost millions. 
<laughs> but oh, that, God. that's it. But yeah, Disobedience, a great thriller is what I remember. Oh, no, Disobe- Disobedience is a great drama. Sorry, drama. Uh, Pacific Heights is a great <laughs> thriller. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, yeah, yeah, Michael Keaton in unhinged villain mode. He's but so much fun. Do you know what? It's unhinged villain mode. I love seeing Michael Keaton do stuff like that. And then um, Michael Douglas in things like, is it Downfall? Um, the one where he's like... Oh, Falling Down. Falling Down. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Downfall's the Hitler one. Oh, right. No, 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 no. No, Falling Down, that one. Um, you know, it's it's when they just go rogue and, 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 and a bit... Are like bonkers in it I think it works really well so yeah Pacific Heights if you haven't seen it from the 90s drag it up again because I'm definitely going to do that that's a really really good one to watch um, let's move on uh, we have on Tuesday I brought up a horror on this I haven't seen this in quite a long time as well Insidious is on uh, 5 star at 11.05pm now this is kind of born a bit of a franchise within itself um and i remember this has got patrick wilson in it as well so who we know from the conjuring um, yeah because you, you had this and sinister around the same time i think this one's patrick wilson and sinister Rose i Byrne, think is ethan hawk oh is this the is this the rose Byrne? because i was that was my next question yeah. i don't remember which one has rose Byrne as the uh, i think there are the last most recent one was insidious the last key and i think that's the fourth or fifth one you know what? It's interesting that this has got Rose Byrne in it because she's so much better at comedy. And I did just read an interview with her with regards to she knows that she's just like she should just really go down the comedy route because she's so good at it. So it's interesting to see mm-hmm. her do a horror. But basically, the in a nutshell, what this this is all about is a basic a family looks to prevent evil spirits from trapping their child who's in like a coma in this mm-hmm. world called the further. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the veil, kind of the, you know, once you see through the cloak into the, the alternate thing. It's, it's, yeah. uh, this is the one with the sort of Darth Maul-looking evil, nasty thing. Yeah, so it's, uh, it, it, I remember it being good. Good enough for yeah. me to go, oh, yeah, I remember this. Well, and obviously good enough to spawn a franchise. Good enough to get, like, nine sequels. Yeah, there we go. But this is the, yeah. the original, the OG on this one yeah. is, uh, is Insidious. So that's on 5 start at 11.05pm. Uh, okay, Van, Wednesday, ITV4, 11.10pm. What have we got? Okay, so this is Space Cowboys. I'm going to pick up the pace and breeze through the next, like, three days as we push for time. So Space Cowboys, which uh, I think was around the time, was it Scott Glenn went into space or something? But the, the, the old guy, the old astronaut, the oldest man had gone into space. So they came out with this movie, which features the likes of Donald Sutherland, James Garner, Clint Eastwood, and Tommy Lee Jones as the four old-timers from the 60s who are brought back by NASA and sent into space as geriatric men to, you know, diffuse a satellite from that era that's otherwise going to fall to Earth and kill a bunch of people. And uh, wait, it's, it's, you know, it's old men horsing around and having fun, but, you know, there's, there's old rivalries and there's, there's old bromances and friendships and things. It's, it's a very fun movie. It's from 21 years ago now. I think it was uh, yeah, very early it was the year 2000. Uh, good fun. Uh, Thursday the 1st, we've talked about this one a lot, so we can breach this one quite quickly as well. Uh, film 4, 9pm, The Equalizer. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, Denzel, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's basically him doing Man on Fire again, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is. And and do you know what? I, I think we, we compared something else to sort of the scene in The Equalizer as well. But uh, Nobody. We compared nobody, nobody to The Equalizer. Yes. That's it. Nobody, which is now getting a sequel, which is really exciting. Um, is it is it going to be still nobody, or is it going to be somebody? That's somebody. the that's the question. I hope it's going to be called somebody. Um, but Paul yeah, Ross pitched uh, Paul Ross pitched somebody, and then a threequel called everybody. Yes, he's pitched that to me as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so the Equalizer, uh, film for nine pm, and then rounding off your week, we've got Night School on cha- on Channel Four at eleven oh five pm. This must be a big favourite of yours. 
Well, actually, I quite like this one. It's not it's not one of Kevin Hart's standout hits, but it's it's a good time, and it's one of the few films I actually like Tiffany Haddish in. I find her really uh, uh, overrated and kind of shrill and annoying. I'm with you on that, but, actually. Yeah, yeah. like I, I feel like she that's that was one performance in is it Girls Night or Girls Trip? Um, yeah. I think it's that one role. She just looked out and she got like a role that evidently was like Zach Galifianakis in the Hangover style breakout thing. But as Zach Galifianakis confirmed, some of these breakout stars are pretty much a one and done. Yeah. And Tiffany Haddish kind of got lucky with Night School. She actually got a role that I, I think worked for her, but it does seem to be the uh, the exception rather than the rule. Hey, it's Kevin Hart as the guy who has to go back to high school, well, at night. My suspicions were right, and you, my friend, are dyslexic. That's what I got. I knew it. Now that you say it, it makes sense. You also have a processing disorder. I got a touch of prostate cancer. She didn't touch my ass one time. I said processing disorder. I'm not processing it. I didn't process none of this. You are just one big, beautiful, mixed drink of learning disabilities. Okay. So how do we fix it? Let's talk solution. Well, there's no cure for what you have. Oh my God. I got learning herpes? If you ever thought from our last week's review that Kevin Hart being sincere is not your cup of tea, <laughs> then just make sure you go back and watch Night School because he's back to it. What I'm doing best. <laughs> <laughs> he does have that. He does go like he goes almost Chris uh, Chris Tucker, isn't it? It's almost Chris Tucker pitch up, like, yeah. kind of yeah, yeah, definitely. But there you go. That's all your roundup for what's on freeview this week. Um, so you've got your cinema, you've got your couch, and now we're going to come back just after this with your DVD, Blu-rays, and streaming. Welcome back for one last ride off screen. And we're starting with the DVD and Blu-ray aisle. And we have this year's best picture coming out on shiny disc format uh, this week, Bex. Best yeah, picture. It's, it's, no. had, it's had its kind of run. It was like, first, so you could see it on Disney+. Plus. And then, oh, if you don't like that, you can go into the cinema and see it on the big screen. And if you don't like that, now you can <laughs> see it on DVD and Blu-ray. I mean, plug, 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 shall we say, for Nomadland. <laughs> You know what it is? Someone just really wanted to print those DVD sleeves with the new winner of Best Picture, yeah, you know, on, on a banner at the top of it is what it is. Uh, but of course, you know, this one, uh, Best Picture, won Best uh, Actress, and I think it got beaten to Best Adapted Screenplay by The Father, didn't it? Yeah, uh, I think it did. Quite, but, quite notably. Oh, Best Director, um, though, for Chloe Zhao. Oh, he did get Best Director for Chloe Zhao as well. Future exactly. Marvel Director Chloe Zhao. Well, not even future, current Marvel director Chloe Zhao, because Eternals is this summer. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, so this is the adaptation of the novel that's got stars. Uh, I almost said Florence Pugh there, and it's got Marvel on the brain, obviously. And, and you know, there's, there's rarely a moment I'm not thinking of Florence Pugh, obviously, clearly. But uh, <laughs> have you seen the uh, the Black Widow pro- 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 promo stuff that she keeps putting out? I love this woman. Yeah, she's on Instagram. Sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She, I love it. She's goofy. I just adore her. Anyway. Um, uh, Francis McDormand, however, is the star of Nomadland, not Florence Pugh. Be a very, very different film and a very, very different Instagram account. Anyway, uh, Francis McDormand is the uh, the sort of the nomad of the title who lives in her van, who takes sort of seasonal gig economy work. For instance, at the point that we are observing her in the in the movies during that period, the holiday season, when nomad culture, the sort of van based nomad culture, uh, t- take temp jobs for the season at Amazon of all places and use and use the occasion to sort of pay off you know incurring debts you know, incurred debts and, and make repairs etc as you'll hear in our clip 
Okay, uh, what we've got is parts and labor, $2,300 okay. in tax. I just looked up the value on your van. With that high a mileage, you're looking about $5,000 at the most. I'd probably recommend um, taking that money and putting it towards a different vehicle. Yeah, no, well, I can't do that. I can't do that, see, cause, all right. Um, I, uh, I spent a lot of time and money building the inside out, and um, a lot of people don't understand the value of that, but um, it's not something like we can... I live in there. It's my home. I did like Nomadland. It does play out like a documentary. I do feel this isn't this is an art house film that is not going to be for everyone. And you know, mm. it, it's certainly a bit of a challenge sometimes when I review it on different outlets. The, the kind of like, oh, but am I really going to like this? Does it go anywhere? Does it do anything? And the answer is no. It's just a really beautiful film, and you've got to enjoy it for what it is. So. If you want to sit there and watch it in all its glory on DVD and Blu-ray, you can do now. But I would have advised that you go and see it on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was the obvious sort of contender for best, but yeah. the obvious sort of you know, winner was going to be the obvious winner this year for uh, best picture. But I think, I think after for me, Nomadland after Parasites winning, just Nomadland feels like such a cop out. It's like, okay, here we are, we're back to normal, business as usual. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. next year we'll have another Driving Miss Daisy or Green Book and uh, lather, rinse, repeat. The cycle begins anew. Anyway, on to new actual technology and talk about streaming which, you know, is the actual technology which has given this industry a shake-up for the first time in decades. And I will say, actually, it has been incredibly impressive to watch over mm. the past year as different studios have taken different avenues with, uh, you know, release windows and what they will consider streamable and what they won't. But uh, coming this next Wednesday on Netflix, for instance, is an animated feature film that I can't quite imagine a studio making. Then again, Sony did make Sausage Party. So America, <laughs> the motion picture oh, would, would be kind of comparable, I suppose. Have you seen the ads for this? No, I haven't, but I have seen Sausage Party. <laughs> <laughs> this, this looks like the same kind of thing, only this is more traditional, like 2D animation. This is like hand-drawn yeah. animation. And it's like a far-fetched, satirical, almost like a satirical, just an outright parody of an imagined alternate history in which, you know, the founding of America is played out by George Washington as this big oh. Schwarzenegger-style action hero with two big machine guns single-handedly taking on the British and, like, founding America. I'm nervous. Yeah, and he's voiced by Channing Tatum. So, right. okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm game for this. This sounds like it would be a I'm laugh. game, but I'm nervous because I don't know. It's either going to fly and everyone's going to be like, this is the next Team America or something like that. Or yeah, it, it has yeah. a very Team America kind of pitch to it, I think. Yeah, yeah okay. But same day on Amazon Prime, though, is uh, The Wedding Guest. Very different uh, audience entirely for this one. This was the Dev Patel one. Do you remember this? We reviewed it. Mm, yeah, I think I can. He was the guy who went to India it was on his own. He's kind of, kind of, it's dialogue-free for the longest time. And it's him on his own in India, uh, goes away. He's been sent by a young girl's father to um, basically abduct her and free her from an arranged marriage. 
Right. I, don't, uh, I, I, think, I think we may have reviewed it, but I don't think I've seen this. But It was it was a good little thriller. It was a tight, yeah. tidy little dramatic thriller, but it was very it was very gritty. It had a lot of oof, dramatic grit to it, you know. Hey, look, anything the, with Dev Patel, I think, is always... Yeah, he's great in it. Yeah. I think you'd like... Because you like him, you'd really like this, to be honest, because yeah. it's a real showcase for him. Although, uh, you know, comes a day before... <sighs> right, you, you tell me then. Is it... E.T., Raids of the Lost Ark, or Jaws. What is the definitive Spielberg movie in your head, Bex? Um, I... Oh, depends what age I'm at, right? So... Gun to, your, gun to your head, you could pick one movie. E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark, or Jaws, which is the Spielberg movie you I think take? It's Raiders, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right? You think Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, that's not, that's yeah, fair. Yeah. Do you know what? I'd probably pick Raiders as well, but... Yeah. That Raiders is not coming to Netflix on Thursday. E.T. is. And I believe uh, great movies have just gotten the rights to Jurassic Park. So that's on Freeview. It's seeming on constant rotation at the moment. E.T., the extraterrestrial. Yeah, just thinking about that. Those three movies, right? You think about it from an age range. E.T. Yep. as a kid, you can watch that and you'll love it, right? Yep. Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's kind of like, even if you're a little bit too young to watch it, you still that's can. tween, isn't it? It's tween. There ain't no way you're watching Jaws until you're an 18. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you, whatever age you're at, you'll have a Spielberg that is definitive to you. So that's why I was you know, we're, we're saying that, by the way. We're saying that. And this is, this is we're not factoring in Jurassic Park either. Yeah, I know, is, I know. You know, which kind of nullifies all of those, if we're being yeah. honest. But uh, yeah, but no. So ET, which is I think the first Spielberg movie I ever saw. I Have they remastered it or or anything? It has been remastered in 4K. It's been reissued. I think it's going to be the is it the 40th anniversary of ET is next year. Okay. So yeah, which oh god it means I'll be 39 in oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, that's on uh, <laughs> that's on Thursday the first on Netflix. But on Friday the second on Netflix uh, is a movie. You know, I am all about. Well, we've already we, we've already sort of touched upon it a little bit, and you know what? We kicked off the show, well, the second half of the the start of the show. We're talking about it. It's Big Daddy, which is Fast Nine, the Fast Saga, and we're now we're ending the show by talking about its offspring, which is Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> Which you just told me off air you've watched twenty times. I'm, I must have. I must have seen it twenty odd times. I absolutely adore Hobbs and Shaw because, in the same way that the the original Fast and Furious is a, a thinly guised remake of uh, a rip off of Point Break, like yeah. I think it's, it's what you, it's the Scott Mendelson principle: rip off, don't remake. Yeah. And they did that with Fast and Furious, and it is proof that you know you should rip things off rather than remake them because you can accidentally create gold as the Fast and Furious did. But in the same way that that is that was Point Break. This is Tango and Cash. This yeah. is, that's exactly what this is. And this is Dwayne Johnson's The Lawman, Jason Statham's The Spy, and they don't like each other and they're going to team up to save the world anyway. You want to tell me just what in the fresh turkey hell we're dealing with here? Long story. It's a ghost. It's supposed to be dead. Eight years ago, I put a bullet through his brain. Great. So we're being chased by the Terminator. I don't think he's gonna make it. Well, I don't think he could see over the steering wheel. Buckle up, fat boy. I'm gonna save your life again. I love this film because I didn't know what to expect when I went to watch it. And I have to say, when you think it's going to finish, it just keeps on going. And that is the beauty of it. You're like, oh 
my God, now we're in like Samoa or somewhere. (laughs) Where are we now? Like what's going on? It's bonkers. And I think, you know, Jason Statham's brilliant in this. The Rock is brilliant in this. It's, it's, um, Vanessa Kirby's in this, isn't she? Um, Vanessa Kirby is, uh, little sister, Shaw. Uh, you've also got, I think, Rob Delaney and Ryan Reynolds turn up as respective sides sort of government handlers. Uh, there's a cameo from Kevin Hart in there as well, and a supporting role for Isa Gonzalez. And of course, the true star of Hobbs and Shaw, Idris Elba as black Superman Brixton, who is, he's just, he's a nano-powered super soldier, is the best way to describe him, with like a a telekinetically controlled, like techno-kinetically, I think would be the term, controlled motorcycle. So it's like a self-driving motorcycle that responds to his thoughts. It's deranged. This is one of the stupidest movies ever conceived by man. And I love it. There we go. And you can love it too when it's out on Netflix next Friday. <laughs> you, do, you know, do you know what? Do you know how much I love Hobbs and Shaw? I'm willing to over. I love it so much that I'm willing to overlook the fact that at one point it's got a car chase. In fact, literally the car chase from that clip, in which Idris Elba is the chaser over which his own song plays. That's that's how much I love it. I'm going to overlook that that happens. Well, on that note, we're going to leave you on a high. In, and in in huge anticipation for when this comes out next week. But, um, yeah, we've got... But in the meantime, go and see Fast Furious 9 uh, just to wet your palate for, for Hobbs and Shaw to come back on the small screen. So there you go. This has been Off Screen, as ever, a blast, talking it through all of the big uh, week's movies for you on the big screen, the small screen, and on DVD and Blu-ray too. And when we come back, we'll have so much more for you too. But for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>